1: This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. With us today on Catholic Review Radio is Edward Herrera, Director of the Office of Marriage and Family Life for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And today being St. Valentine's Day, we thought we would talk with him about marriage and love and how to keep that alive. In the second half of the show, we'll talk with Edward about family activities for Lent. Welcome to the show, Edward.
2: Great to be here
1: with you, Chris. Always, always fun to have a conversation. So let's talk about St. Valentine's Day is a little bit different this year. We, you know, a lot of times people would go out to restaurants, have a very nice dinner, nice romantic dinner. For a lot of us, that's off the table. So what are some things that, that couples can do on Valentine's Day this year and to keep their love alive? What are some things they can do that are apart from that?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it it's funny because uh Valentine's Day this year falls on a Sunday, you know. So that's that's always I would say a great uh, a great start would be um, just really having uh, having the Eucharist and and prayer at the center of your relationship. So, you know, if you're uh, currently going to mass at this point or, or going to mass virtually, uh, just kind of making that a part of your Valentine's Day, I think, is a great start. Just kind of a, a great foundation to just uh, grow in prayer and and holiness together, which is is really what marriage is is all about. But beyond that, I I think there's some great things that you can do. I mean, it's funny, my wife and I, we've got little kids, so... Uh, the home date is no uh, foreign thing for us, right? I mean, we get some, <laughs> whether it's some good Chinese takeout or or uh, a nice uh, charcuterie board, uh, I guess, which are all uh, the rage right now to um, enjoy some of that together, watch a little bit of a, a movie together. So so I always en- enjoy the home date, which can be a lot of fun. I think the the other piece is always just, you know, in, in seminary uh, with priest, in the formation of priests, we call it human formation, right? And I think that that's a, a, a great and important piece for couples too. In addition to to growing spiritually and just spending time together as a couple, I think that uh, growing in, in communication, learning better how to resolve conflicts, all of those can be good and,
1: and healthy things and important things for couples. In this pandemic, we've all talked about the fact that it's been hard on people's mental health. It's it's been very difficult to be cooped up. You know, you normally kind of get some cabin fever in the winter. Well, we've had cabin fever since last March. And for some couples, that's probably been really great that they've been able to spend a lot more time together without the commute and things like that. For other couples, it's been a real stressor. What do you kind of advice do you have for couples who are in that situation?
2: Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's tough, Chris. I think there are some ways in which we have, with, with some couples, we're, we're talking about more serious challenges in, in their marriage, where uh, in that case, you know, I, I recommend there's uh, Catholics for Family Peace. Uh, the Maryland Network uh, Against uh, Domestic Violence. Uh, so organizations like that, if there's more substantial challenges within the home to really uh, seek out help. But I, I would say that there's also couples that, you know, there's uh, just challenges um, kind of being together all the time. If if you're both working from home, if you're trying to uh, teach the kids at the house, if everyone's on Zoom calls all the time, uh, I, I think that those can be, can be tough things. And I think that there are Easy things uh, for mental health, like you know, trying to take a walk if there's not snow on the ground, or, or these types of things. But then, in terms of relationally, communication is is so so essential for couples. And if I might uh, share with you one of my favorite exercises to do a, as a couple is really creating a wish list with your partner and communicating that wish list with your partner and. It's a very simple exercise, but it it basically is coming up with with three things in your relationship that you would like more or less of, and then how that would make you feel if you had more or less of that, right? And uh, then you share that with your partner, and your partner repeats it back to you, and it it really. Uh, fosters good, healthy communication. Like a a, a concrete example of that would be with my wife. If we were to do this exercise, uh, she would say, uh, Edward, I wish that you would uh, hang up your clothes uh, when you uh, get home from work. Uh, Well, this would be pre-pandemic, but when you get home from work, uh, because it would make me feel like that you value the work that I do here at the house. And then I would repeat that back to her and she'd say, yes, that's, that's what I meant. Right. And, and, and it's just such a good communication exercise because you're exercising a real directness in communication. You're communicating exactly what you want. And then to hear your partner say how it would make them feel if you did more or less of something really is kind of disarming for the person. And then really to, to have your, your partner repeat it back, lets you know, that they understood what you were saying. So again, it's a real simple exercise, but I, I think creating that wish list and, and sharing with one another can be such a, a powerful thing. And, you know, I mean, maybe that's a good activity to do on Valentine's Day, you know, kind of 12 months in now to the to the pandemic here.
1: Yeah. And I think an important part of an exercise like that is for the person who's hearing the wish to say, Yes, I can do that, or yes, I will do that. Or in some cases, the person might be of the opinion of no that's not something i'm comfortable doing so how about this and so that that dialogue that it creates the acceptance or not acceptance but that dialogue is an important way to handle that right
2: amen chris i mean you <laughs> you're married too so you <laughs> i um it, it's i i think so important to really have that good uh, communication with active listening and then it opens up the opportunity for, for dialogue. Because I think a lot of times what happens is we just, you know, so, sometimes we say, well, it's just easier to let that go, right? It's just easier to not talk about it. And in the long run, it's it's not, right? It, it, it's healthier to really uh, communicate your hopes, your dreams, your desires, um, uh, as big as they are, as small as they are with your partner, and then to just uh, dialogue and and talk around those a little bit more
1: one of the things that i think we try to do is as spouses we always try to make the other person happy and sometimes i think people have said well you know you can't make somebody else happy you know you, you know you can do what you can not to put obstacles in their way but it's it's their job to make them you know to to be responsible for their own happiness but i think when we look at it as spouses isn't that part of what god calls us to do is to bring our spouse to happiness bring our spouse to holiness isn't that one of the things that, that we're called to do as a spouse? Oh,
2: ab- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we are, um, I mean, when we talk about marriage, we're, you know, I mean, uh, the Second Vatican Council calls it uh, a partnership of life and love, right? Um, a- and really the idea there is that it's it's about, I mean, to use kind of theological terms, it's, it's about the mutual sanctification of the spouses. It's about the spouse's, Together growing in holiness, right? The spouse is growing together in holiness. And uh then when we say things like that, I think sometimes, you know, it, it's like, well, then are we supposed to be uh white knuckling it through uh this marriage? And and it's a joy, though, right? To give ourselves away is a real joy and will bring us joy, you know, as John Paul II, I mean, was kind of the, uh, the Pope of love, so to speak. He talked about, you know, that really, unless we encounter our love, unless we, um, kind of experience love, if we make it our own, that that's really what brings us, us happiness and, uh, and joy, right.
1: Um, and, and fulfillment ultimately. Right. In this life and the next absolutely and that's our kind of our goal is to get each other to heaven uh and and enjoy that while we're on earth too so that's that's part of the the good thing about it when we look at coming out of the pandemic and you know there are varying predictions of when that will be can we get back to normal in the summer or in the fall or by christmas time you know what what that date is actually is is another question but as we start moving back to more normal activities what kinds of things can couples do to either keep the good things that they had going during the pandemic, or renew some of the things that they had before?
2: Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I I think that the point is with with the pandemic it is challenging. Is it is it has been for some couples in different ways? There are some aspects that are are good, right? There's uh, some studies now that are that are pointing to the fact that uh, couples are experiencing a greater appreciation for their spouse. There's also uh, studies that that the commitment has has risen in marriage during the pandemic. So there are some good signs and I think part of that is because uh in being together in this more kind of constant way, it is uh forcing us to really, uh, rediscover and encounter those relationships. So I, I I would say that that's definitely a a bright spot uh, that we have seen within the pandemic and relationships. And so we can't forget that when it's gone. That being said, when we look out and beyond the pandemic, uh, we uh, can only grow in virtue and holiness. You know, as as you say, iron sharpens iron, right? And so that the more that we connect and live our marriages well with other couples that are trying to live their marriage as well, the better that we'll all be for it. So I, I really think that um, both the idea of uh, strengthening our marriages with other couples is something that we need to do in a very intentional way, whether it's couples couple small groups, a family rosary night, whatever it may be. And then also thinking about how how I can go out and reach out to other couples and, and encourage them to also strengthen their marriage, which is something that sadly is, is a little more difficult to do you know, on a
1: Zoom call or through social media or these types of things. Certainly is. As we come up to our break, can you tell us where folks can get more resources from the Archdiocesan Office of Marriage and Family Life? Sure. If you just go to our
2: website at archbalt.org and then under ministries, it's it's marriage and family life. And we've got some good good resources for you there. Obviously, the Catholic Review, you guys always do a great job of of highlighting different things. Some of your bloggers talk about marriage a lot as well. And then also if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, it's the handle just uh given marriage, given marriage uh, on Facebook and Instagram.
1: That's given G-I-V-E-N. Just so that folks, uh, folks yep, are aware. Yeah, absolutely. Of that. Very good. We are talking with Edward Herrera, Director of the Office of Marriage and Family Life for the Archdiocese of Baltimore, about Valentine's Day and love and keeping the love alive. We'll be back after the break and we'll talk with Edward about family activities for Lent. This is Chris Gunty and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio.
3: Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Loyola University, Maryland in Baltimore announced February 11th that Jesuit Father Brian F. Lenane, its president since 2005, will retire at the conclusion of the 2021 22 academic year. During his tenure, Father Lenane oversaw the name change from Loyola College to Loyola University, Maryland, the opening of the School of Education, the transition to intercollegiate athletics to the Patriot League and the completion of the Bright Minds Bold Hearts Appeal, which exceeded its $100 million goal. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Seeing the Ellsworth Cemetery, a place of historic racial significance in Carroll County, in such disarray did not sit well with Thomas Gruel. He saw a wrong that needed to be righted and got to work. Gruel is a member of the Knights of Columbus Council 9127 based at St. Bartholomew Parish in Manchester. Assisted by Dan Kloss, o. C. Skaggs III, and other knights from St. John in Westminster and St. Joseph in Sykesville, they are maintaining the cemetery and ensuring it remains a respectable final resting place. Founded December 21, 1876, by six black Union Army veterans, Reuben Walker, David Ireland, William Adams, Louis Dorsey, William Macy, and Samuel Bowens, the cemetery was created on the eastern approach into Westminster out of necessity, as black residents were not permitted to be buried within city limits. The years, unfortunately, have not been kind to the hallowed grounds, as a lack of regular maintenance, typical wear and tear, and acts of vandalism have resulted in many headstones being either shattered or eroded and in much need of repair. For more on this story, visit CatholicReview.org. Patrick Kelly, a retired U.S. Navy captain, is the new leader of the Knights of Columbus, succeeding Supreme Knight Carl A. Anderson, who has headed the International Fraternal Organization as its CEO for more than two decades. Elected Deputy Supreme Knight in 2017, Kelly was elected to the top post by the Knights Board February 5th. He will begin his term as the organization's 14th Supreme Knight, March 1st. Baltimore Archbishop William E. Lori described Kelly as a brilliant new Supreme Knight. Quote, he possesses the knowledge, experience, and commitment necessary to carry the order forward in service to our brother knights, their families, our parishes, and our communities. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the virtual newsroom of The Catholic Review,
0: I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio.
1: Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. This is Chris Gunty of The Catholic Review. We are talking today with Edward Herrera, Director of the Office of Marriage and Family Life for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Edward, we've got Ash Wednesday coming up here, February 17th. What are some family activities for Lent that you could recommend?
2: You know, obviously, marriage and family life. I'll just start off there for a, for a quick second, just to mention that whatever you're, whatever you're thinking, it's always good to have a good conversation between the husband and the wife. You know, I've sometimes made that mistake where I uh, want to go all in and then it's, you uh, uh, i there's a little hurt feelings that we're not watching uh tv in the evening together or something like that so i think good good communication about what the plan is both for individual spirituality for couple spirituality and for your family is is an important important piece to think about so i i would just start there
1: and that's a great point because you've got some people you know if one comes from a family where that family was really into Lent and Lenten activities and getting ready for that, and the other person maybe didn't have that experience. It's kind of how do you meld those two together so that both feel respected, both feel like their traditions are are being uh, understood and accepted and carried on to their children, right?
2: Exactly, Chris. I mean, w- which is just generally uh, good practice with kind of all of the holidays, even too. Um, but I think sometimes we don't think about it with Lent to say, you know, how are we uh, as a family going to embrace this uh, this this Lent together, you know? And so, in, in terms of your your question though, of what what can families do? I think there's obviously just a great number of things. There's a number of opportunities. Uh, for uh, you know, going to mass, different liturgies that can be uh, be very powerful. But then, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of our parishes are doing a great job offering things virtually, so you can can experience the liturgies virtually, even if you aren't able to be there in person. But I guess what I would say in terms of families, there's always just so many great tactile experiences of the faith that children can, can kind of go through, which I think are very, very powerful for them. Uh, the more that we can engage kind of all of their senses, I think uh, the better. Uh, so, I mean, in terms of uh, some concrete ways to do that, do you have a, a prayer space in your home? Like, do you have a, a space where you... Um, might kind of, you know, have a a Marian image or a crucifix or, you know, St. John Chrysostom uh, said, uh, early father of the church, to have a a special place for the scriptures in your home, you know? So if you've got like a, a home prayer space, it can be a place where you also identify the Lenten season, right? Where you might have some more purple there, where you might kind of really Kind of show that Lenten season in the same way that you might when you walk into uh, a church, because after all, the the home is is the domestic church. So the more that you can create those those sensory experiences, even from starting with kind of a a home altar, home prayer space, uh, where you can enter a little bit more
1: into Lent, is is a really a, a good first step right because for advent we have a wreath we have manger scenes we have those kinds of things that can connect us visually and sensually to that lent kind of gets jipped out of that because lent doesn't have those kinds of symbols so there's the the rice bowl that catholic relief services does every year where you know they ask families to eat a simple meal and put the money they might have saved from from a regular meal into the rice bowl and at the end of lent they can give all that it's a great way for kids to start identifying that their actions can help others and can uh, can be part of that and that their small change can add up. So those are all those are some tactile things that families could do during Lent. What else have you got in mind?
2: Yeah, yeah, rice bowl is a is a great initiative. I mean, what I would say is uh, I mean the lenten practice of of prayer, fasting and almsgiving. And so to to really think through the ways that we can get children involved in that, you know, so that they experience it a little bit, but it's not um, like a really <laughs> a, a, intense experience. I've, you know, known some friends that, uh, for example, will, you know, uh, during, during the Lenten season, uh, I've got a good friend that uh, they will not have uh, lights on in the evening, right? And they'll just have a uh, candlelight. Uh, which is kind of a, a unique practice and a little bit different, but also just kind of recognizes that this is a different sort of season. And it might be something that then is a little bit fun for kids. Another thing that I've talked to uh, some families that do, they they might have like a you know you have a crown of thorns in your uh, in your prayer space, perhaps. One thing that they they will do is have a, a jar of cotton balls that every time that uh, someone does something nice they can take a cotton ball and and put it into the other jar and then at the end of the week they're able to kind of take those cotton balls and kind of lift up this crown of thorns and it's a it's a simple thing and it's you know not necessarily uh, biblical or something like that but can uh, get kids to engage, uh, with the passion and and with doing good for others essentially
1: alleviating suffering in some ways exactly it's a lot like a practice that my family did when when I was young, where the manger would be there for baby Jesus, and there was a basket of straw next to it. uh Jesus didn't get put into the manger until Christmas Eve, but if we did a good deed during that day, we could put a piece of straw in the manger for Jesus, and hopefully if between the 10 of us we did enough good deeds over the course of advent jesus would have a really nice bed to lay in if we weren't behaving so well he might not be as comfortable so <laughs> i like this idea of the cotton balls and the the crown of thorns that's a, a lenten equivalent to that
2: yeah yeah no and i uh, yeah i mean you're <laughs> with 10 uh 10 of you guys that's uh a lot of lenten experiences i'm sure i'm sure yeah the other I, I was just gonna mention um, as you get into Holy Week too, I think that um, part of it is just thinking thinking a little bit ahead and thinking to Holy Week, there's uh, just so many powerful uh, liturgical experiences during that week. And so to really try to identify some some things that week, you know, do you want to um, do some sort of way of the cross around the neighborhood? right? Do you want to try to, you know, do uh, a foot washing service? You know, I talked to a a family who um, because uh, last year during the pandemic, they couldn't go to the Easter Vigil. They lit a bonfire in the backyard and prayed the Liturgy of the Hours together, which, you know, I, I think that the kids would remember that, you know. so That's a I, great idea, sure. So I, I think that there's ways, particularly, you know, I mean, when we think that the home is, is the domestic church, right, this little church. So in what ways can we take those liturgical celebrations and have them to enliven our homes, you know. Uh, so that th- that's what I would say is just almost kind of uh, look look at the liturgy and and have fun with it, you know. I think sometimes too the kind of trend of liturgical living is very popular uh, among certain circles within the Catholic Church. Is liturgical living kind of trying to live with the liturgical year? And you kind of think, well, I have to do this craft just right, or whatever it is. And it's really just about trying to enter into the liturgical year in whatever ways you can. So that would be my suggestion. Uh, there's also some, uh, some great resources uh, that, that can help folks to be able to, to enter into it and not have to uh, think too hard, even if they're not the most crafty person or, or those types of things.
1: Well, that sounds like we've got a very full 40 days of Lent ahead of us then, don't we? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate talking with you today. We've been talking with Edward Herrera, Director of the Office of Marriage and Family Life for the Archdiocese of Baltimore, about Lent and family activities for that. Again, you can find out more about the things that Edward's office offers at archbalt.org. Click on Ministries and search for Marriage and Family Life. Thank you so much, Edward, for being with us today. Always great to be with you, Chris. Thanks so much. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio.
0: You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with The Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice weekly updates. Just text Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org.
1: Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF, 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area, and WVTO, 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our blessed mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.